Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players by trumpet players and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Now you can simply go to worldtrumpetfederation.com for all your trumpet needs. No annual fees, firewalls, or other barriers between you and the most current helpful trumpet information. Home to the Open Bell podcast, the World Trumpet Federation also has its own YouTube channel and other important materials. Please visit worldtrumpetfederation.com to see what we're up to. And Messina Covers. Is the bag for your horn the right size? Can it carry the B-flat and the flugel you need at the musical five nights a week? What about carrying the things you never have room for, like that extra mute that never seems to fit? Messina Covers has the passion and expertise needed to create bags that meet the needs of the most demanding trumpet players. They have been tweaking their designs for the past 15 years in search of the perfect trumpet gig bag. Messina Covers trumpet bags have lots of great standard features. A thousand denier DuPont Cordura, 10,000 pound seat belt grade nylon webbing, B69 nylon thread. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds super impressive. Inch and a half thick padding, stiff and lightweight. And listen, all made right here in the United States by hand in Louisville, Kentucky. The bags come with a lifetime warranty against manufacturing defects like separating seams, tears, and all those sorts of things. And if you ever have a problem, they repair it for free. The cool thing, they have so many colors to choose from, you'll have a difficult time making a decision. I understand that they even have pink. If you have any questions at all, contact Erica and the gang at Messina Covers, and they'll be happy to help you with your trumpet case needs. And now, in case you are new to the podcast, here's a little about the show. We essentially have three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We'll use these segments to cover information that Joey, Brian, and I think is important. Gentlemen, shall we? This is a segment we call warming up and gives us a chance to ease into the show by talking about some things that are on our radar. Brian, what type of cornet-related issue do you have for us today on our trumpet podcast? So I thought we'd start with an in-depth look at how you should warm up on the cornet. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> Good. God, you're kidding. So, so this week I want to talk about this, um, this new composer, um, and he's written some really cool stuff um, for trumpet. Um, his name's Nathan Ost, um, and you can find him on NathanOst.com. Um, I saw him for the first time on uh, Instagram because Jack Suddy, the second trumpet in the Cleveland Orchestra, has recorded a bunch of um, uh, Aust's etudes. Um, and so if you buy the etudes, I just since I just got this brand new iPod Pro, no offense, Joey. iPad um, Pro, at least know what it's called. No, so I think he meant iPod, iPod Pro. <laughs> it is it's an iPod. from it's a 79. <laughs> if you're going to taunt me, it's get the name right. <laughs> it's a cornet ipad um and it's uh and so he has them on uh, pdfs and then uh jack's uh mp3s as well so i bought all three books for 40 bucks um and jack's playing is of course out outstanding he's a great trumpet player he is a great trumpet player but he also plays great music um and so the the renditions are very musical they're excellent 
they're also graded. So um, there's lyrical studies, but there's also some stuff um, for younger players. Um, so 21 etudes that are real simple, um, but beautiful, interesting, helpful, um, not rangy. Um, and since you know I play so much Getchel um, and have reconstructed so many people through that, it's really helpful for me. And while I'm going through this chop change, um, I'm really looking forward to working through these. So it's like, uh, I guess, um, 60 etudes um, for $40 um, plus Jack's uh, MP3s. So it's, they're really cool. It's beautiful playing um, and really interesting and helpful etudes. Great. Could you just spell his name for me one time, will you? O-S-T. Nathan okay. Ost. O -S -T. Nathan Ost. Yep. Are you sure it's not Ost? Might be Ost. I don't know him personally, but I know I someone either. else with that last name, and I believe it to be Ost. And they say Maybe. it Ost. Hmm. But I don't know Nathan. Wow. Well, I don't know him personally. Yeah. We should, wow. we should probably so get on that. Well, we should check that out. We should He'll be a sponsor next week, I'm betting. Uh, yeah. There's a good chance. It's good. I mean, he won't know it. No. You know, like the rest of our sponsors, no one really knows. They, they don't need to know. We, they hear we, we let the them fact know. that they were yeah. mentioned. Which yeah, is a if, terrible business model for us. It's a it's a it's an ideal way to go forward. And if you guys yeah. uh, don't know Jack Suddy well enough, you should. That that guy is a really mm -hmm. a, an astounding mm -hmm. player and musician. I, I was someone I hadn't met until you know a couple of years ago. I was lucky enough to go out and play with Cleveland a couple of times, do a couple of pops things. So he's sitting right next to me. We we're just chatting, uh, and then they came out to Cleveland. Came out to Bloomington, and they have a group called Factory Seconds, which is the second. Uh, trombone, second horn, and second trumpet player oh, in the Cleveland Orchestra. Cool. They have a trio yeah. that they, they write for themselves and they do some stuff. So they did a concert here in Bloomington when the, when the Cleveland Orchestra came to town that was just uh, stellar. It was, it was great. And so He's an outstanding player and musician. So yeah. not only not only a great orchestral player, but also a great chamber player, terrific soloist, super nice guy, uh, great hang. Like he called out front, hey, can we find some time? Of course, we found some time, get together and play and do That's some stuff. Cool. But yeah, it, he's a you know very low key trumpet player. But uh, don't don't sleep on him. He's really really <laughs> outstanding uh, trumpet player and musician. Absolutely. So Brian, the, just the nature of the etudes, are there things there students might want to use for college auditions? Is it does it oh, go yeah. that so the, way? Yeah, okay. it's characteristic studies and lyrics lyrical etudes. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you could definitely use them for uh, college Great. auditions. Check it out. Yep. Good. Uh, so I've been thinking about. I was going to bring this up because it's something that we all talk about and maybe like nobody, well, you wouldn't expect to have it here because we've kind of talked about other topics, but let's talk about lip care. I want to talk uh -oh. about product. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. We're going in. Because I've been around the horn with this, right? Like I started out original black label chapstick and right. I'm back, baby. I'm home. How many what? years later? Seriously, that's no. where I yeah. am. No, no, yes. no, no. It's we, yes. we've got better stuff now. Well, yeah. much better. Okay, so I knew this is right. So I want to hear what you guys use. But just let me say this: I went from chapstick, and then, you know, in the '80s, the 1980s. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, back in the 1880s, he just got he just took wax. <laughs> we just smacked it on his face. Fly and wax. No, he's yeah. a trumpet player. He used and, beeswax. Yes, from actual bees. And so we went to Carmex and then Blistex. There was a while we used A and D ointment. You yeah. can say we, but I was while, never part of while this Well, we, part. not we, you. Yes. Other people, my uh, vintage. And then so over the years, I've tried all the other stuff. I'm right back to chapstick. What do you got? Okay, here's the problem. 
So, okay, I never used anything. I, you know, growing up in Texas, I never had, it was never really an issue. So I get to my freshman year of college, I'm wandering around New York City, and the wind starts blowing, it starts getting cold, and then just sheets of skin start coming off my lips. <laughs> so I go into a lesson, say, Mr. Pearls, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? And he looks at me and goes, go buy some chapstick. <laughs> With the implied dumbass afterwards right. that he didn't <laughs> say out loud. Right. So I did. And I, I bought chapstick, and I used chapstick for years. Here's the problem with chapstick. It's essentially just putting wax over your lips. So yeah. if you're going to get ready to play, you need to if it's you need to rub that stuff off, which nope. can then, of course, be yes. If you I put don't. that on, you can't play with it on. I play it's, with it on all the time. It's too thick and it's too waxy. It it's no good. So <laughs> several years ago, here, at least we don't I, deal here, in absolutes. <laughs> yeah, right. it's terrible. You can't Let do it. Let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Let me t stop talking <laughs> right now. So several years ago, I was sitting in my office, and one of my friends walks in and said, hey, uh, Dan Gosling wanted me to give this to you, and handed me a little tub of goo that said, hey, try this out for Put me. Put this on your lips. So I called Dan yeah, on no. the phone, and I uh, said, hey, Dan, what do you got going here? What do you mean? Well, I just, you just sent me a package of stuff and said, please rub this on your chops, and yeah. I don't know what it is. He goes, it's okay, uh, when you put it that way. It's brake grease, lanolin, and, uh, and a prohibited so, beaver tranquilizer. Because up yeah. until then, what I'd had was I used chapstick, and I'd seen the people when I was in college going with the Carmex, but I was always worried that little bit of tingly, burny stuff. I was always yeah, a little worried about that. I didn't want that anywhere near my chops. Frightening. I'm like, yep. that's out. That's out. I don't want that. So Dan's going, I'm trying to make a better product. And frankly, you know, uh, I think he has. So I'm I'm all in on ChopSaver. It's just a better yeah. product for your lips. So you don't get the like that tingling kind of stuff where mm. that you need to put it back on all the time. No, not at all. I always have it in my left front pocket, and uh, if I need it, it's there. And if I don't need it, it just sits in my pocket. I I don't have a problem. I mean, I'm never more than two feet from a chapstick container, but I could quit anytime I like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important to have because sometimes there are even those times where you're, if you're playing, especially if you're playing outdoors, the off and on and off and on and off and on and off and on, that alone can just dry you right out. So you, you want a break, and if you've right. got like, you know, if you've got an hour break, you need to have something because generally I don't use much during the summer. For me, it's mostly a cold weather thing. The cold weather, it really gets me. And that's where it kind of dries out and kind of flakes. So when it's cold out, I go out, a little bit of chop saver, and I'm totally good. Mm. Interesting. But yeah, I grew it's up in Michigan. much, much, much better than the chapstick stuff. I don't know. I started it, yeah, when, when I started playing trumpet in Michigan, I, I was looking for something right away, and I tried chapstick and immediately went, oh, this is terrible. I'm not using this. <laughs> <laughs> but there weren't a lot of options. There weren't a lot of options. Avon had a product. My mother used to shop mm. for Avon, and so, so I used that I for years. I remember that, yeah. Um, um, which was, it was good. Um, and then I tried Chop Saver for a while um, recently when Dan started producing, doing the mass production. Um, now I'm using um, Burt's Bees. And uh, I was a little nervous a few years ago. Um, I was in um, New York at the Rainbow Room. My mother was given this big award for corporate attorneys. And um, at our table was the, um, was the corporate attorney for Clorox and the corporate attorney for State Farm and who were both friends with my mother. She was the corporate attorney for um, Timberland at, at that time. And uh, the Clorox people uh, lady talked about them just buying Burt's Bees. They had bought Burt's Bees. And I was like, oh. sort of, Sarah looked at her and, I, and she, said, she said, yeah, we own them. We're not allowed to speak with them. Um, apparently, <laughs> Burt's Bees is really violently opposed to any interference from Clorox and right. have 
guarded their products um, and they're still natural um, and healthy and all that stuff. So hey, yeah, uh, I've been on Burt's Bees for years now. I think we just solved the whole COVID issue right now. We get Clorox making some chapstick. <laughs> We're home. And then, and then every trumpet player dies. Yes. <laughs> so well, isn't phenol, aren't phenol and camphor, which are found in the ADT and the DCT and the, and the yeah, that um, stuff's wicked. Carmex, isn't that supposed to be really bad for your, for your chops long term? Doesn't it promote extra growth of the cells and sloughing off of the cells? So maybe I don't know, if you but have an injury, that sounds really good. Let's go with it. <laughs> so I think if you have an injury, it's, it's regenerative. Re Regenerative. Easy for me. Regenerative. Yeah, too easy yeah. for me to say. Um, and I shouldn't have started drinking so early. Well, and it's the Burt's Bees. I hear it slurs your speech. <laughs> that's the problem. But that's exactly what scared me off of the Carmex and the Blistex. That stuff is good if you need to heal. Right. But I don't want to put myself in the position of needing healing. I want something as a All daily treatment to prevent healing. So they're not preventative. Isn't repair where right. you start? <laughs> don't give. Um, don't, don't make me come over there. <laughs> you really come through this so, what about people that just break a vitamin E tablet and put that on their lips and then just eat the tablet? I, I I've known a couple guys that swear by that. Yeah. And you yeah. know, I, I mean, I guess we're supposed to be open-minded enough to say, you know, use whatever works. But I I don't think just because you haven't had problems that it's necessarily working or optimal. Right. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know. So you, you're you saying, I, I can't do Burt's. I've tried it. So maybe it's time to revisit Chopsticker. Although that's I'm pretty it's too happy. thin, right? The, 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 it's not thick enough for you. No, because I feel that camphor burn, and I want to keep putting it on. It doesn't I have feel camphor that, in it. I, but I feel that same tingly. It, I feel like it dries me out. And you I need keep the Chopsticker. No, and, hey, listen. Burt's Beast. No, no, the chop saver is the way to go. And they even have some SPF chop saver if you happen to spend a lot of time out yeah. in the sun. Like if you're right. out cycling, for example. Well, then you go, right, exactly. That's why you use the blue label chapstick if you're out cycling. I don't know what the blue label is. It's got SPF, SPF. 15. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 Hey, just get the chop saver, it's better. All right, well, see, maybe we can get a sponsorship out of that. Yeah, uh, we'll call Dan. I couldn't get the chapstick people on board. They didn't know who I was. <laughs> It didn't work out. I don't even know what you played. Jo <laughs> Trumbo what? <laughs> Joey, what do you got for us today? All right, I got this. I want to talk about something that we actually put on our horns. So I want you to listen to this. We all know this sound. Okay, here we go. Uh-oh. Oh, Brian's here. <laughs> right? <laughs> So we're oh, used no. to hearing because I mean we're at a time now where we're doing a lot we're doing a lot more recording than we've done before, right? Everybody's doing recording; they're playing remotely, yeah. doing all this kind of stuff. So you really want to be thinking about what extraneous sounds like Brian's valves make, but that slide noise is real, right? So what about this? Okay, it sounds like Brian, but farther away. Exactly. But more so build. those little, those are, they're those little bitty rings. You can get Dull. those little rubber rings to throw around on your first and third slides, right? Yes. Right, but but we we know anything makes a difference. Anything changes. Yeah. Pro or con? Con. Con. All right, go tell me why. I'm in the con camp. I think especially like on the first valve slide. It pushes it out just enough that if you're if your D is in sort of the Netherlands there, like right, like pitch wise, you're that's not helping at all. 
I can see that on the first. It, it, it does. On the first valve slide. It can move it just that tiniest bit, right? And if you're on that, that, that D can be low to start with. I think it's less of an issue on, sorry, Joe, fewer of an issue on the third <laughs> valve. I will kill you. <laughs> on the third valve slide because, you know, that could ride out a little bit and I think you'd be okay for the most part. I think it's a sound issue. It's, it is a pitch issue, but I think it's more importantly a sound issue. I think it takes off just a little bit of the upper harmonics. Mm. So I've had several students have actually um, taken this, taken them off, and they'll they'll play, and it's it is a different sound. Well, you're talking about I think peeling the labels off of the rubber rings before you put them on the trumpet. Well, you definitely have it? to do that. That's a definitely requirement. It requires <laughs> tweezers and a pin to get that small label uh, off. But it's it's but worth yes, the work. Definitely worth the well, work. Well, I mean, look at on the other side of that. You have like is it um, the Ridenauer clips, right? Tweakers. The tweakers, yeah. I mean, even those little things make a difference. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Every, that's yeah. why I brought it up. Everything makes it. The pro, of course, is if you're doing a lot of uh, low register stuff or a lot of slide work, and you've got some close miking, you don't want to hear all that clanking. Yeah, it's an issue. Right, but then the con, of course, is what changes that making, and you know, where's where's the payoff? Like, which which side can you come out on? Right. Yeah, I'm I not mean, sure there's a right like, answer. For someone like Brian, who pays, who cares nothing at all about the sounds his trumpet makes, clanking, yeah, I care about clacking. what the cornet makes. The it sound it the is amazing makes. about how much he's concerned with the sound coming out of the bell, but not the sound the instrument well, is so actually releasing. I'm actually onto something here too. This explains why he plays so loudly all the time. He's trying to cover that cover noise up the up. clackety clack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Brian, how is how are things going with the decibel meters uh, on the new chops? Are you uh, cranking up there to jet engine level yet, or what? I'm playing everything super super soft. So like a couple fortes. Nope. That's no, not going to get you anywhere. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might mean for us mezzo forte. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll match you guys well. Everyone yes. else will stand a chance. Exactly. Oh goodness. Yeah, I, be I'm burying us from the fifth book. I'm going to have to go with uh, no rubber bands on the outside of the chapstick container. And I think we've that's where Hold we're going to land cha on that. Hold up that chapstick container you have. Did you take the sticker off that? I always take the sticker off. You take the sticker See? off chapstick, but you don't take it off of your mutes? Well, they're off now. That's because Brian took them off. Yeah. He, well, yeah. He took off one, and then I took off the rest. I take the label off because if you don't get all of the label, it can scratch your lips. No, yeah. no, yeah. no! It doesn't go. No, the label doesn't. Hair. The label does not go it, up to where the chapstick comes out. Uh, look, it has happened. How? That's You're not possible. No, I'm not doing it wrong. You're applying it's it wrong. Just the, <laughs> How can you be applying chapstick? If the, the label stuff, is no the label, other. the label does not come <laughs> anywhere near where the chapstick is. That's insane. I. There's no other place I would be where I would be corrected on the application of the chapstick. <laughs> if you're, right if, here. If the label is scratching your lips, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a, I have a method. Your That's method is incorrect. You should reevaluate that. <laughs> if, hey, if a kid came in during his freshman year at college and said, hey, listen, I've got a method, and put the trumpet in his ear and started to play, wouldn't you say you need a new method? Well, it depends on the way it sounds. No, it doesn't. <laughs> 
and whether or not I could hear his valves. Right, but no, if he said, yeah, I do this. Now, it, you know, it cuts my but chops, I, but I, I feel fine about it. I've got I'm a method. I'm just saying sometimes there's a, a like a jagged edge, and then I, so I just tear the whole thing off. Yeah. This is Plus a new it's a level. It's a conversation starter. Because then people go, oh, oh, there's the label. What are you using? And then I can... You, you know, don't ever need a conversation starter. You have six you... in your pocket right now. <laughs> Are you often at a loss for words, Bill? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, oh, fantastic. Well, I feel sufficiently warmed up. Yeah. I don't know about too. you guys. I'm good. I'm good. I say we move on to couple things. Today's topic is one that I would like to start by giving you three answers to the same question. Are we on board? Well, I need the question first. Okay. The question is, how many trumpet players does it take to change a light bulb? And you've got three answers. I've got three different answers. The age-old answer, one, trumpet player holds onto the bulb and the whole world revolves around him. Okay? Sure. Right. Second one, four. One, to change the bulb, and three, to say they could have done it better. Sure. But my newest and most favorite one is three. Three trumpet players to change the light bulb. One, to climb the ladder. The second one, to kick the ladder out from under him. And the third one, to say, see, I told you that was too high for you. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. I haven't heard that one that's before. Pretty good. <laughs> there you have it. Today, we're talking about ego. Yes. And in our little corner of the world, we, we are the ones. The trumpet ego is world-renowned there's a reason the stereotype exists exactly so let's dig in what do you got i'll start with this i've talked to students a lot about uh confidence is that what i want from what i want in a, in a musical performance is confidence not cockiness mm. and this is where sometimes more knowledge can get in the way because if you're if you're if you're really intellectually smart, you know that there's always room for growth and you know you're not the best thing in the universe. So that then you can have some doubt and then you can lack some confidence. Mm. Now, think about the stereotypical, especially with lead players. We've seen a number of these people in real life, the stereotype that exists, which is maybe not the most intellectually gifted person in the world and go, <laughs> I play high notes and there's no doubt ever they just think, huh, I do it, I'm great. And then there is a certain amount of success that can come with that right. because there's no doubt. So I want to find that fine line in there because I think you know, it, it's easy to say, well, we shouldn't have an ego. And I don't think that's right. But when you get too much, when you cross that line to, oh, my God, you really do think that you're the best thing that's ever happened, that's just as bad. Mm -hmm. But there, I, I think ego, it, there's, a, there's a necessary amount of ego to be able to be successful up to, at a high level. Well, it cuts both ways, right? I mean, like, you, you look at the job that you have to do as a trumpet player. Like your, your work as a lead player or sitting in the back playing principal or Brian standing out front playing a solo. You have to believe in yourself to a certain degree to do that, right? Or you wouldn't, it, it takes a certain amount of that confidence. But you're right, there's a line there somewhere. But if you're wired to have that, what are ways that we can balance or like teach that or keep that in check so that it doesn't take over? 
Well, I've, I've been doing this since I taught little kids. This is what I, when I taught, when I started teaching sixth graders, which were the first people I taught in any real n uh, numbers. You know, it'd be a little lessons here, lessons here. I was always okay. on the road. This so I'm is, teaching beginners. This is kindergarten cop is what's in my head right now. <laughs> I actually Joey, taught, I taught yeah. kindergarten for a year. In a room full of kindergartners yes. looking up at him. Kalamazoo, Michigan. I was, a yeah. good, I was a kindergarten teacher for one entire school year. I had a good time. Um, but I was also teaching at the local music store, and I had a bunch of uh, sixth graders, and I did the same thing when I was living in Lafayette. I had a bunch of sixth graders, and here's what I would tell them. If you do what I ask you to do, we're not going to even worry about your band music. And here's the thing. If you do what I'm doing in here, the band music's always going to be easy. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to look at it. Don't even bring it in here. And you're going to go into band, and they're going to think you're really good because you're going to be able to do all the stuff in band. But when you come in here, we're going to know the truth. And this mm. is what I've been trying to sell. And I do the same thing with my college students now. The idea is when you go in out in public that people think, wow, that player can do anything I want them to do. That player is doing great stuff. And then when you go into the practice room, when you come into the, you know, my studio, we know the truth, which is, okay, I'm doing this well. I need to work on this. I'm working on this, working on this. This has been my way of trying to combat this because, as you guys know, I have no shortage of ego in any way, right? Mm. I have an enormous <laughs> ego, right? And, there, and there's a positive part of that, you know, because, I, you know, I grew up, you know, in, in a successful program, and I, I grew up with, with good teachers, and I grew up playing well. And then that, so I had a certain amount of confidence that then got reinforced by doing well. So then it's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't this work out? I've practiced, and I've been successful in the past. That should inform that I keep practicing, and I'll keep getting better in the future. And that, that part's right. Where it goes over the deep end is when you think, and this is a, we, we have people that we know that have these sort of thoughts. Because I played it, it is by definition right. Mm. And that's mm. not true. Everybody <laughs> on earth has the capability of sounding terrible. The best players in the world can sound terrible. And it's often, uh, I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't say pleasurable, but at least uh, humanizing to be at a live performance and see somebody and go, oh, that person might be struggling today. Yeah. It doesn't make them any less an amazing yeah. musician or great player. Just like that day, that's how that went. Yeah, I think, okay, I've been in some of those performances when you go, okay, they're mortal after all. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you can hear there's a reality there. There's a, there's a realness to that. Yeah. I think as players, we're, we're walking such a tightrope that we have to have a certain amount of ego we carry with us um, because we're going to take some hits. Right? There are going to be days we miss. There are going to be days, performances we don't sound good. There are going to be critics um, who don't like what we did. And you have to be self-confident and assured enough to take that and keep going. Um, there are going to be auditions you don't win or that you completely fold on. Um, and so I, I think it's important that you have some of that in your core. You can call it ego, self-confidence, or being well-adjusted, or just knowing that it's not that important. <laughs> the um, well-adjusted trumpet player. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Um, but you There's could also, a new website. You could also say that that doesn't give you license to be a jerk. Um, so you can't treat, you can't look down your nose at other players. You can't treat other people badly um, just because you're trying to um, show that you have this ego or you're trying to build yourself up with this ego. So there, is, there are limits 
certainly. And I think people that we who we recognize as having these big egos, um, they're really just not being nice people, maybe. Um, and they're making decisions um, without really thinking about it. Um, but I do think that you know you have to have that in the in the in what in the air that we're we're living in um, as trumpet players. I think you you have to have a certain amount of confidence and ego just to be standing up and doing that thing. Yeah, I think you hit an important point in talking about how we talk about others, because you know we're all big fans of trumpet players. I'm a huge fan of great trumpet playing. I want there to be more and more great trumpet playing. I think I've talked about. When Marie Spitziali told me that she wasn't playing anymore, I told her I'm not okay with that <laughs> because she's great and I want her playing all the time. So there seems to be, uh, among people with an ego problem, they have a hard time genuinely compliment complimenting other players yeah. because somehow they think that makes them somehow lesser, right? right. So if, mm -hmm. I go see, if I go see a great band playing, like if I go see Gordon Goodwin's band and there's Wayne Bergeron, and I go, wow, that guy sounds great. That has nothing to do with my playing at all. Right. And, and, right. and that's a, that I think that's a hard separation where that line gets crossed, is that those people, have uh, they're so wrapped up in the me, 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 me part that they can't see outside of it. Well, it, that's interesting. That reminds me of the, you know, A quality people, right? A people hire A people, and B people hire C people. <laughs> right, like, right, <laughs> right. So this is you're gonna surround if if you if you're willing to give that up and your ego is not in the way, you'll go. That person is great. I want to work with them all the time. Let's get them on the team and move this forward. But if you're insecure, well, then you're gonna keep yourself in that position by hiring someone lesser, so that you right you appear to you be the better. guy. You're the you're the leader. You're the person. But yeah, yeah. trumpet players we're notorious for it, right? Sit yes. back and just throw darts at whoever happens to be up there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, the amazing part when, you know, you can just hop on, on you know, any social media platform and go find videos. And as soon as somebody puts something up, two things happen. People are like, yeah, you're great. Yeah, you're terrible. You know, I, I've, I've talked about this a lot when it comes to especially uh, Chris Bodie and Wynton Marcellus, because I don't mm. think there are two more famous trumpet players where we are right now. You know, right. that people outside of music, you know, know who these players are. And inside the trumpet world, they're two of the most divisive figures. And mm. it doesn't make any logical sense because they're both great musicians. They're both great trumpet players. They're both doing nothing but good for trumpet. I just can't yeah. see any reason to tear them down other than individual ego. Yeah, but, yeah, but. And uh, that just, I, 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 can't, I can't stand that. And again, I am absolutely admittedly somebody who has a giant ego. And I, I, I don't have any problem admitting that, that there are times where I'm like, yeah, I think, oh, I should really check that. We, yeah, we don't have any problem really reminding you either. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny you bring up Chris Bodie because we, we were at a, a concert uh, with our good friend from uh, the University of Arizona, Curtis Schupman. Curtis, <laughs> fantastic trumpet player. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and, uh, For but those of you who don't know, he does, he does mean Chad. Chad. It's, it's an yes, ongoing Yes, that's joke. what I meant yes. to say. Charleston Schupman from the <laughs> University of Arizona. Go wild, Fantastic guys. trumpet player. Yes. You don't know Chuck's playing. You've really got to check it out. He's <laughs> he's just the best. And uh, great and looking great and fit these days too. Not to get a sidetracked here, but yeah. Chip has been working out and doing the stuff and he's, he's doing great. Yeah. 
He's doing She's great. looking great. But, you know, there was that, that night, I mean, Chris sounded fantastic. I mean, it was beautiful yeah. musicianship and beautiful trumpet playing. But, yeah, you're right. He's a polarizing figure and all that. Um, but that's and, all about ego. That's the negative side of the ego. And the I, positive side, which we're talking about here, you need, especially where we are now, where everybody puts everything online. If you're going to put something up online, you need to have enough confidence in yourself, enough ego there to say, I'm comfortable, this is what I sound like, I'm putting this out there. Because likely there is going to be somebody to go, yeah, you suck. And you have to be able to step back and go, okay, you didn't like it, moving on. But the negative side of that is I need to put other people down so that I can feel better about myself. And that's just, we got to be better than that as trumpet players. That's not okay. I want to I want to chase down the thing that Brian said just a minute ago, too, because I, I think here's the answer, right? You can have ego as a player, but you don't have to let that influence who you are as a person right. walking around. And we we've met how many of these great players have you met all, you know, where you you think that there's going to be one thing based on the way they play and then you meet them and they're so down to earth that sells that works, right? That's mm-hmm. the message. Or when that you're talking about the, Ryan Anthony as a performer and as a person oh my gosh, on stage, right. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, but I, I do think it's possible that there are. This is always the problem. Do uh, does trumpet player make does trumpet playing make you a jerk, or do jerks play trumpet? Right? Um, <laughs> that there are. I certainly, think we know the answer to that. <laughs> but there certainly are strong personalities that may be drawn to this instrument, and we have a wide variety of people who've had a wide variety of successes. So certainly. There are some strong personalities out there with some big giant egos that happen to be great players, like it is there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, sometimes you got to weave your way through and really to try and find out what's what where that personality really is and how much of that is is just the face of what they put up as a musician. Mm. Yeah, I mean, how many trumpet players go on to be conductors? Well, a lot. Two thirds of us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You have your own baton, oh, Brian? You're guilty, oh, Brian. Yeah. You own your own baton? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I said this to Ed Cord once when he, he was talking. He said something <laughs> about conductors. And I said, what are you talking about? That's you. He goes, what are you talking about? Not my. And he got really, he got a little flustered. I said, do you own your own baton? He goes, okay, that's fair. <laughs> you don't own your own baton, Joey? I don't conduct. You don't conduct a trumpet ensemble or anything? Well, he doesn't I've, conduct. I've coached trumpet ensembles, but <laughs> I don't co- conduct There it is. There it is. I don't conduct them. When we get on stage, they just go play. That's chamber right. music. Coaches it into, into position right yeah. where he wants it. There's no um, baton. <laughs> there are two words that I – I've not heard this in a long time, actually. I'm getting kind of spoiled. But um, two words that I hear in a lesson sometime that, are, that I think are just the manifestation of ego. And those two words are, I know. Right. Uh, you encounter this, yeah. right? Like, so, yeah. yeah. So here's the thing at this point, I think that it could have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but OK, so then. Right. So eventually I remember this years ago with a student and ultimately I said, well, if you know, why do you keep doing it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like just be open to the idea that you you don't know it well enough or you don't. It's not ingrained to such a point that you are able to replicate it and do it. But isn't that just ego getting in the way, especially the I, I know oh, latching yeah. onto that, you know, from the student perspective. I mean, I know we've talked about the idea of, you know, the, always being a student. This is the good. Right. We should. This is a, a lifelong you know, a uh, quest to keep growing, right? Mm-hmm. So if you ever get to the point where you're just dismissive 
of anything else, mm. that's your ego. But yeah, I, we, I've certainly seen that in college students as well. As well. Yeah. Here's what I'm looking for. Um, what I really want is, oh yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting because you haven't shown that yet, <laughs> right? But, but we see that in professionals as well. You know, they, they hear somebody play and do something maybe th that I hadn't seen before. And I'll go, wow, yeah. I've never really seen that come out of a player before. Oh yeah, I, I do that all the time. Mm. You know, immediately copying to, yeah, but I do that, right? It's yeah. a, uh, but I can, I can do it. I'm good, right? right? Because I'm saying something complimentary about someone else. Somehow they take that as an insult to them, which is right. tangentially right. related to what yeah. you're talking about here. Well, What's the name? Excellence, excellence isn't pie. There's, there's <laughs> enough for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> See, good. now I want pie. Yeah. Um, and I think we would be, it would be wrong not to mention phil smith in this conversation because of someone who exudes this incredible musical competence in their playing yet right you visit with him or talk to him and he's sincere and he's genuine and he's a caring person i mean there's a model for how that how that works oh absolutely and i, I mean and I, of course i mentioned that too because I, I was thinking of phil because i wanted to ask brian about this in the brass banding right well, World. he started on cornet, of course. Well, of course he did, which is, I knew that you would take that and, of course, run with it. But I'm going to help you. Um, Morris Murphy. In the <laughs> thing, Helseth. Here it comes. <laughs> Your Honor, the defense rests. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, what Martin. about, what, in that, in that, you know, venue, what, what's the ego thing like there with the British brass bands, especially with all the competition part of it? Because that's got to feed it too, right? Yeah. So um, there's a confidence and you and uh, they're willing to go lay it on the on the stage as best they can and let the chips fall where they may. Um, and everybody's really good at cutting down egos. Like if you have a big ego ego or if you're a jerk, they're pretty good at weeding you out of the system pretty fast. Really? Um, yeah, because they good work so them. closely. They tour. They compete. Um, they're with each other um, all the time. It's a, you know, it's a it's a hobby. It's not a job. Right, the um, culture is more uh, of an amateur vibe is what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, right. yeah they're not different getting place. paid to do it. Sometimes um, people are getting um, costs of um, travel covered and things like that, but people are not getting rich being um, brass band players. And um, so uh, even playing on that level. So they're really not willing to deal with, on a regular basis, that many hours um, and that much of a family atmosphere with, with people who are jerks. Yeah. Um, so even playing on that level, there are people who um, do have a ton of confidence in themselves um, because of what they can accomplish and how hard they've worked and and the kind of um, kind of stress they put themselves under for for no real reward. I mean, they play the, the most demanding literature um, and they're not getting individually getting prize money. I mean, the band will get prize money if they win, but um, it's a, it's for the love of it. And uh but yeah, to go on stage in front of four thousand people, um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, hang out on some of those solos, yeah, that's what you, that's what you do, um, and you don't do it if you if you're uh, a wallflower, really. Right. <laughs> well, there's too is the constant reminder, right? Like there's always a group that's ready on any given day right. to displace you or to take a soloist prize or whatever it happens to be, right? Yeah. But exactly. it's interesting that the culture doesn't tolerate it. That's yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, they 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 can be pretty cutting. And if something goes wrong, if some, somebody may makes a mistake, they people have very short memories. So um, 
their mm. mantra is life's too short we get over it fast you do the best you can if you totally fold it's over to and people pub. get people get fired over it you know you lose your positions well, sure. in bands and that stuff happens um but uh yeah they don't dwell on it for years and years right because yeah. you know interesting just with intrepid sections the orchestral model in the United States is obviously very different. You know, it's a professional model, and you win your job differently. And I'll tell you, you know, I've been, I, I'm lucky enough to go play with lots of different orchestras around the country, and boy, the sections that get along, you can, it's a different experience mm. being in the orchestra. Mm -hmm. You know, just the hang of being there and the, and the ease of playing with. It's yeah. just, right. it, it, it's, you know, I, I remember when uh, I'd been working with Cincinnati um, before Bob Sullivan got there, and I'd never really met him. You know, so those guys, they play really well together, and they're really nice going. They're easy going, easy to work with, you know, section. So I'm like, I wonder what this, how this is going to work out. And uh, I get called. It's in Bob's first year, and I go over to play a show, and it's, so everybody's there. And I walk in, and by the end of the first rehearsal, I'm like, oh, good hire. You know, you could see just, <laughs> you know, he comes in as principal, so it's his section, but everybody else has already been there, and there's a very easy, established vibe already. That could be a recipe for disaster, but mm. instead it, it's worked out great. And I will tell you that you know what's going on in Houston is the same thing. You know, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't down there bef any time before Mark Hughes, but there's been some turnover in that section in the past couple of years. And the section they got down there right now, oh my gosh, I was down there about a year ago, and Mark actually it was the first time Mark had played. He usually come out and see a show. But he, he actually is like, oh, I'm going to play this time. So after the show, we're backstage. He's like, you got to try this horn. Hold on, we got this thing. And we're backstage playing instruments for another hour and a half, all four of us just hanging. <laughs> the vibe is, it, it is so important to that. And there are, there are other places where that just doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think it's just not as an enjoyable and musical experience, even though the level of play can be at the same, at the same place. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't know Bob that well, but a few times I've been around him. I mean, this is what dawns on me coming out of this conversation is that his personality, his genuine, beautiful personality informs the trumpet playing. It doesn't go the other way. Right. Like he's not letting his trumpet ego and he is a confident, amazing trumpet player, but he doesn't let that influence the personality. Right. It does. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's, sure. he's who he is. He's a genuine nice guy, and that's what comes across. He, yeah. can, do, he can do both of those things. And I, I think people like that are the model, right? So we've got, if we, you know, all of the hundreds, I'm sure, at least tens of band directors who may tune into our <laughs> podcast. You know. What are you You're dealing about? with these? <laughs> Have you seen the early ratings? They're off the charts. Are we? Are, oh, is, are we doing? God. I try not to look. We're, you know how it is. I mean, huge. You know, just huge, huge. I mean, speaking of ego, three guys who just think that. <laughs> You know, hey, let's start a podcast. I'm sure it's going to be great. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? How exactly. hard could it be? I'm sure people are really want to hear what we have to say. Uh, but I do know some band director friends who have tuned in, and I think this kind of stuff is helpful to them. Think about, you know, what Brian is saying about that. It comes out of a different culture. And if that culture starts in the public schools and that message is delivered as part of music programs, well, then, you know, it gets better the whole way through. Right, but in, this is important to the band director model because much like young athletes, the ones who are really, really successful can be treated completely differently. The same mm -hmm. thing happens with young instrumentalists that are, are particularly strong. They can be put in a situation of like, oh, well, that's my superstar. I better be nice to them. And that's a really right. bad model to start from. <clears throat> you do want to have that culture of, yeah, we're all, this is a group. We're all, we're all in this together, not to quote high school musical. But... Right. Um, 
you want to uh, think of it as a team, you know, it's a team uh, endeavor creating mm -hmm. music so that, yeah, you might be someone who plays a, a really strong first trumpet part, but that doesn't mean uh, you're getting treated any differently than my third clarinet player who's also just as important to this band. Well, and it sounds like that was your experience as a young strong trumpet player in Texas, that you had the right kind of guidance. It'd be interesting, you know, uh, what about someone like Clark Schupman? you know, who <laughs> was, I'm sure, a strong player at a young age. It'd be interesting to ask him the same question. Because, yeah, he, he does not have that. He certainly has confidence. I mean, you hear him play and you hear that coming course. out. But, but he does not have that, no. hey, man, I'm better than you handshake kind of thing. No. That we've heard and, about. He is not that guy. And that's why we love picking on Chad, because he's awesome. He'll, <laughs> Wait, you actually he'll either get a kick out of this or he'll come find me and kill me. <laughs> I know. I actually used his real name. Yeah. How did that you know, happen? I'm not really sure. Yeah, but it's uh, it, this is an important thing, I think, and for whatever reason, it is attached to our instrument, and I think it's a cool thing to talk about. It's important, yeah, because we do want we do want to breed confidence. Right. We don't want to breed cockiness. You know, it just kind of dawns on me too that we talk about trumpet ego. I've never really heard anyone say cornet ego. Yeah, that, that's not a thing. Is reason that a for that. Thing? I, don't, I don't think that's a thing. It's E flat soprano ego. Soprano maybe. ego. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh, is that right? Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's always about high notes, right? Yeah, it's all about the high. Because we certainly, I certainly, you know, in my in my area with the lead players. Wow, there's no shortage of strong personalities and right. and giant egos and yeah. and making sure that uh, you know everybody knows that no no. I'm really awesome. Everybody else is terrible. I mean, there's a lot of that. Yeah. It's not okay. Cool. So great takeaways. You know, um, don't let the what you need to do as a trumpet player influence you as a person, right? It's okay to say that someone else is great. Um, that doesn't harm you at all. Excellence is not pie. That might be the big <laughs> one for the day. I love that's not pie. That's everyone. so good. You know, that's that's really good stuff. Yeah. Super helpful. All right, well, listen, finally, we reached the portion of the program we like to call No Offense. And this is where we highlight something from the trumpet kingdom that is recognized, used, and touted, yet might not make so much sense to us. We feel it's our responsibility, know our duty to highlight such things and raise awareness, inform the masses, and generally start trouble. Now, today, I don't have a product to bring up in No Offense. But it does fit the program beautifully because we're going to talk about warming up on stage, especially playing high notes when you know people are listening. <laughs> Gets right back to the, the lead players. There it is. Oh, no offense, but man, if you were walking <laughs> on stage and starting out with, let me show you what I can do. Mm -hmm. You are doing it wrong. There and it is. Stop it. Not only, and it's not just the high notes. Let's talk about this. You walk on stage, you're playing at a band concert, you're playing at an orchestra concert, and you start playing anything from the program you're about to play, any solo rep while mm. you're on stage, mm -hmm. you are doing it wrong. No offense. That is, you are drawing attention to yourself at a time where that is not your job. There I heard a, uh, when I was in Cleveland, I... Uh, orchestras came to town and played at Severance all the time and uh, I got a ticket free ticket from um, Al Couch to hear a famous orchestra and a famous first I don't know whether I should use names um, 
he's since retired from his position in the job. My, but my general rule is when it's positive, I use names, and when it's negative, <laughs> okay. I don't. So, <laughs> That's so a really good rule. It was yeah. a really great orchestra and a really great trumpet player. Um, and I think they were doing Mandarin, miraculous Mandarin. And uh, he came on stage and sat down to do to warm up. And for about 15 minutes, he played arpeggios up to high C and just kept pounding high C and high C and high C. The, it was incredibly loud. You couldn't hear anybody else on stage warming up over and over and over again. Mm. Show was great, played great, but the entire That's time. That's weird. It was yeah. really weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're only born with so many of those. <laughs> That's not <I> true. <laughs> <laughs> but if you really need to do that kind of work, go backstage. I don't think you want to come out need. on. If, yeah. right, but that's what I'm saying. If there's something you need to work through before that concert starts, right. if you're going to work through something, that's not what you do on stage. Yeah. You want to go on stage, you want to make sure everything's going to work. You might want to see what it sounds like in the hall. I can understand that part. But if you're working through stuff, that's not what that time is for. But it's also not just for performances, rehearsals. Right. Mm. For anything, yeah. Right. You come into rehearsal. And, you know, it's five minutes before rehearsal. And, you, you know, I've, I've had this happen. I remember ha this happening when I was in, in Florida. I showed up to a, uh, a, just a freelance, you know, pickup big band thing that we were doing. And I was hired to play lead. So I get there, and I'm getting my stuff set up. And the guy who was playing third trumpet is just, um, air quotes, warming up mm. on high Gs <laughs> over and over and over. Like, I looked over thinking, like, is this guy messing with me? Like, what is going on right. here? Right, yeah. So he's, you know, I, I couldn't figure out. All I could think is, I, I don't even know this guy yet. And all I could think is, what a jackass. Like, I, I right. don't know him. <laughs> I know nothing about him. Now, right. I, I, it did turn out to be true. It absolutely <laughs> turned out to be true. But that, it's, it, you know, you're, it's, you're also making that impression on someone. But you also mm -hmm. have another thing that I noticed. It was several years after we were in the group together. It's that you don't play before we go on stage. No. Or before we rehearse. Right, which makes no. the, the first thing that he always plays flat compared to everyone <laughs> else around him. Not, to, not compared to everyone. <laughs> not oh, that's right, just to one person. <laughs> not, not, not to Bob Marzini. Uh, no, Bob. <laughs> Bob is nails. No, I started coach, experimenting yeah. with that years ago with the, the whole concept of, of do we really need to warm up? If I'm really practicing well in the morning, aren't I ready to play? So yeah. either playing or not playing, right? And uh, so I played the show Chorus Line. If you've ever played the show, it's, it's a show about auditioning for a Broadway show. So the pit is actually covered. And they, they actually told us no playing in the pit for half an hour before the show starts. Oh, so if you want to get here early to warm up, whatever you want to do. And I was like, hmm. Hmm. well, I'm not going to run that early driving up from Bloomington to Indianapolis. So, okay, I'm going to try this out. It was one of the first times I tried it. It was years and years ago. So I've been, you know, I come in and practice in the morning and I'm teaching all day and then I hop in the car and I drive up there and I'm like what do I need to warm up for? I've been playing all day long. So I would just go into the pit, I put my horns down and I would leave. And I'm not making a big deal, I'm not making any deal out of this, I'm not like announcing, look at me, I'm not warming up. So it was about three days in with a trombone player next to me, he said, hey man, I need to talk to you. And I said, what's <laughs> up? He says, you're not warming up. And I said, are we talking? That sounds like a statement. And he says, well, but like, what's up with that? So I'm telling him my theory on, I, I think warming up is, might be useless. And I've experimented with this. And I think if you're practicing all the time, then you're either playing or you're not playing. 
So what do I need to warm up for? So I, abs I absolutely don't do this anywhere. Like when I go places, you know, with orchestras, with bands, recording sessions, shows, uh, with our group. Yeah, put the horns out. Mm -hmm. We'll go out and play. Um, well, right out of undergrad school, the President's Own had an opening. And we had just had one of their uh, cornet players who was an IUP grad. He came back and did some solo stuff with us, and I played for him. And he said, you should really do this. It would be a great experience and all that. So I went. He was very kind, and I had no business being there. It was the, <laughs> it was the cattle call thing, you know. And it's just I'll never forget being in this room full of people hammering <laughs> like everyone yeah. trying to show everyone else what they could it was just the biggest peeing contest in the world you know and it was just like high notes and all this other and what we had to play were marches and i remember the excerpts you know like washington gray's trio you know there were no lip trills on double g for that but yet some felt it necessary to check that yeah, just they want to announce their presence with authority. With authority, thank you. Well <laughs> done. You are and out. you are out. I'm out. <laughs> you are out. Um, and so I remember, though, at, on the other side of this, like, I remember this dude sitting in the corner with his cornet, sort of sitting there, legs crossed. I couldn't hear him for the cacophony in the room. And so when they were coming back and saying, okay, no thank you, no thank you, you advance, whatever, that was the guy that advanced. And yeah. I think ultimately won the job. So that was a huge lesson for me that, you know, not only did you not need to do that, it just it's, it didn't have anything to do with success. See, I figured this out in high school because uh, when you're growing up in Texas, when you go to district band in high school, you go into a very large like rehearsal yes. room. Yep. And the, like the 60 people who are auditioning all sit in the room. The right. judges are sitting right up against the front wall facing the wall so they don't see you. So they call up, you know, number one, and you walk them in, and about every seven people, they'll say, okay, you can have a minute or two to warm up, and then everybody just goes crazy. I hadn't really, but I figured this out pretty young. Okay, so I just need to wait until it's my turn, and I'll walk up there and I'll play, be cool. I hadn't thought about this for years, and then Craig Morris and I were hanging out a couple years ago. Now, Craig Morris, you guys are listening, a, a great trumpet player. Phenomenal. He's the yeah. trumpet teacher at the University of Miami. Uh, you know, he's been uh, in the San Francisco Symphony. He's been principal trumpet of the Chicago Symphony. He's a, an outstanding soloist and, and, and player. We grew up in the same school district. Now I'm older than Craig, right? So I think I'm, wow. I'm, I'm two school years ahead of Craig, right? So, uh, and I remember, again, talking about ego. I, so I'm a junior in high school. I've had some success. You know, I can play high notes in Texas. So if there's anybody that's going to have a giant ego, it's going to be me. And I remember <laughs> the first district band, because Craig tells the story, which I will tell you in a second. But I remember hearing him and like, like I'm sitting there, I, I kept these little comic books, like books, you know, collections of stuff. And I would just sit there and read until it was my turn to play, because I don't want to listen and pay attention, because it doesn't matter how they play. I can only play how I play, and I figured that out pretty young, whether through just ego or whatever else. I'm like, and you like the way you played it. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> like the way I played Almost it. Almost always. But I will tell you, I, I remember, Craig, you know, this, somebody starts playing, and I looked up like, okay, who's that guy? I don't know him. Okay. So after I was like, hi, I'm Joey. Hi, I'm Craig. You know, and we should, you know, it's all the recipe for we should never have gotten along and should hate each other. We got along great all the way through. But what he noticed, he said, "Oh, I remember." He was he told the story at IDG with a group the other yeah, day, a I couple remember years that. ago, right? Yeah, I was he there said, when he told the story. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah." So I look over, and Joey's got these books, and then seven people in, everybody's got their horns out. Joey looks down, checks his letter, and then everybody's playing, everybody's playing, picks his horn to make sure his valves work. He walks out, plays, comes back, sits down, opens his books again. I'm like, "Right, this kind of I need to show off now is absolutely counterproductive." So my logic 
outweighed my ego even as a young man, <laughs> which <laughs> helped a lot, which right. is saying something. That's exactly right. But yeah, that idea, and I've been telling my students this, that who go to these military pants auditions. I, you know, I remember talking to one who, uh, she's in um, the Old Five and Drum Corps. And I told her, listen, when you go to this audition, here's what I want to hear. When you call me after the audition, I want to hear three things. I tell my students the same thing. I want three things. One, tell me how you played, which is not necessarily the results of the audition. I want you to tell me how you played. Two, tell me a funny story for the audition, because there's always something good from the warm-up room. Mm. And then three, tell me what went down. And she said from one of these auditions, she called, uh, it's when she won that job. So I was having dinner with a friend, and I said, I'm sorry, I really have to take this. So I stood up, I walked outside. Okay, so this was working, this was working, it went better, boom, 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 she takes me through the whole thing. Uh, two, oh my gosh, so there was a guy in there that came in telling us, listen, I mean, it's good to see you guys, but like I'm friends with, and I know this, you know, this is really mine, and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I got, I've got this in the bag. Out in the first round, you know, oh, of course, you done. Know, there, you know, there it is, and you know, showing off, playing high G's, and it's like, wow. So you, how are your bugle calls, which is a bulk of this audition, mm. you know, exactly. So when you're you're showing off instead of actually practicing or actually warming up, you're not only being a jackass, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, I you know, make it part of what we, the district band thing is big here in Pennsylvania and here in District 7 and students audition. And it's part of the process as you get ready to go. Now, listen, right week before you check in some spots here. Now, don't get drawn into the fight. OK, because when you get there, this is what's going to be going on. It's going to be crazy and it's going to be just a high note fest and just stay in your zone, play your game, do your flow studies. Here we go, whatever. So, of course, they always come back, you know, and I placed, I did this and this. And how did you know it was going to be like that? <laughs> because it's because always it's like that. always like that. Yeah. It's something we need to address. So, well, listen, that about does it for today, gentlemen. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe, or whatever works for you. We appreciate your patronage, and so do our sponsors who still have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. So long for now, remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell. Thank you.